This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Stock markets rallied after annual inflation in America eased slightly in July, dipping to 8.5% from 9.1% in June. Markets are hoping that the Federal Reserve will now temper its interest rate increases. The Nasdaq Composite Index gained nearly 3% on the news and closed more than 20% higher than its nadir in mid-June. Asian stock markets also rose during early trading on Thursday. Satellite images of Saki Air Base in Russian-occupied Crimea show eight destroyed fighter planes thought to have been damaged by explosions reported on Tuesday. Separately, Russian-backed separatists claimed control of Pisky, a town in Donetsk, where fighting there has intensified as Russian forces seek to capture the region. Meanwhile, Ukraine accused Russia of using the Zaporizhnia nuclear power plant, the country's biggest, as a shield for attacks. The country's Security Council will hold an emergency meeting on Thursday to discuss the issue. A wildfire has scorched thousands of acres of forest in the Gironde region of France, leading to the evacuation of thousands of residents. The conflagration was described as a monster by firefighters who continue to battle it. Local temperatures are very high and are expected to remain so for several days. France is in the grip of its worst ever drought. China and South Korea clashed again over an American anti-missile system. China claims radar from the Terminal High Altitude Area Defense System installed on South Korean territory could be used to spy on it and wants to restrict its use. South Korea says it is necessary for defense against North Korea. In 2016, a dispute over the system led to a Chinese boycott of South Korean goods. Kim Jong-un declared that North Korea has overcome the outbreak of COVID-19, which it finally admitted to in May. Meanwhile, the dictator's sister said Mr. Kim was among the almost 5 million North Koreans who suffered from a fever. The country never provided the numbers of actual COVID cases. She also claimed that leaflets scattered near the border by South Koreans caused the infections. Sierra Leone imposed a nationwide curfew after mass protests against the government turned violent. Living costs in the country have soared recently and fuel is extremely expensive. On Wednesday, thousands of demonstrators took to the streets in Freetown, the capital, with some throwing rocks and setting tyres on fire. At least two police officers and one civilian are reported to have died. Disney's revenues soared by 26% in the latest quarter, thanks in large part to strong demand for its theme parks, which have bounced back from their pandemic doldrums with a vengeance. Disney Plus, the company's streaming service, also added millions more subscribers than expected. Even so, Disney said it will raise its streaming prices to hedge against slower subscriber growth in the future. And fact of the day. 46%. The share of American teenagers who are almost constantly online. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Ukraine's allies gather in Copenhagen. The Danish military will train Ukrainian soldiers in Britain 
That announcement came ahead of a meeting of allies in Copenhagen on Thursday, hosted by three countries. Defense ministers from 15 European countries plus America and Canada will discuss further military support for Ukraine. The conference comes as Western aid continues to bolster Ukraine's defenses. On Monday, America pledged a further $1 billion in military assistance, including more ammunition for the HIMARS rocket launchers, which have pounded Russian positions. The fighting in the east and south of Ukraine remains finely balanced, although Ukraine appears to be mustering forces for a counteroffensive to retake the occupied city of Kherson. The conference highlights a second aspect of Vladimir Putin's war. By invading Ukraine, Russia wished to stop any more countries joining NATO, but Finland and Sweden are now on the cusp of membership. Britain continues to play a vital role in European security, despite tensions with the EU. Mr. Putin's invasion has transformed Europe's security architecture, just not as he would have hoped. When the Chinese Chips Are Down China's most advanced chipmaker, Semiconductor Manufacturing International Corporation, SMIC, reports its second quarter results on Thursday. Amid signs of a slowdown in the chip market, they will be closely watched by both investors and politicians. Computer chips are important for everything, from washing machines to cars to cruise missiles and fighter jets. China has long held ambitions to build a cutting-edge chips industry. But American sanctions, begun under Donald Trump and continued by President Joe Biden, are designed to deny China's access to the latest chip-making technology. In July, it emerged that SMIC had worked out how to make advanced 7-nanometer chips. Smaller components mean better chips though the figures bear little relation to the physical characteristics of the chips themselves. That puts SMIC about half a decade behind TSMC, a Taiwanese firm, and Samsung, a Korean one. The significance of SMIC's achievement is not yet clear. It may be that only some components of the new chips have been shrunk. And without access to the latest extreme ultraviolet lithography tools, made in the Netherlands, It is unclear how much further SMIC can push its products. An electric vehicle startup slows down. Rivian's promise of powerful green electric trucks was so thrilling that nearly 50,000 people placed an order before any had been delivered. The firm became a Wall Street sensation in 2021 its valuation zoomed above $100 billion in the biggest IPO of the year. But its shares have crashed by nearly two-thirds this year, and its second-quarter earnings, due on Thursday, will demonstrate more braking than accelerating. Rivian's problems are familiar. Supply chain woes and high inflation are leaving the company unable to meet sky-high demand. Other electric car-making startups, such as Arrival and Lordstown Motors, are also struggling. Despite Rivian's impressive order book, which has 90,000 customers waiting, in the first quarter of the year just 2,553 trucks rolled off its assembly line. It chalked up a $1.6 billion loss. Now it is facing a cost crunch, 
obliging it to lay off 6% of its workforce. Litigating Golf's Civil War Two months ago, a group of elite professional golfers broke away from the American-run PGA Tour to compete in Live Golf, a lucrative series of tournaments bankrolled by the government of Saudi Arabia. Some of them have resigned from the PGA Tour. Others had their membership suspended. Before signing up to Live, nearly a dozen players had qualified to play in the PGA Tour's FedEx Cup playoffs, which begin on Thursday in Tennessee, only to be banned by the tour. Three of them contested the ban, but on Wednesday, a federal judge in America upheld it. On August 3rd, players in Live who remained suspended by the PGA Tour filed an antitrust lawsuit against it, accusing it of behaving monopolistically and harming their careers. The PGA Tour denies this. The antitrust case could take up to two years to resolve. In the meantime, as the two tours run in parallel, the mutual enmity will only deepen. Televising Indian Matchmaking Love has no off-season, declared Netflix in March, as it announced a lineup of eight reality dating shows. Among them was a second season of Indian Matchmaking. The show, which has just been released, features Seema Tiparia, a charismatic, quote, marriage consultant from Mumbai, who uses profiles, like those on dating apps which she calls, quote, biodatas, and astrology to pair up singletons in India and its diaspora. The first series, also directed by Smithy Mundra, a filmmaker who met Miss Tiparia during her own quest for love, intrigued foreign audiences unfamiliar with Indian family values and arranged marriages. Despite complaints about its roster of wealthy, high-caste, heterosexual subjects, Indian matchmaking was nominated for an Emmy last year. Having succeeded with this coupling of tradition and reality television, Netflix will soon be serving up Jewish matchmaking, in which a matchmaker known as a Shadchan introduces hopefuls in America and Israel. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday. Which Australian conservationist and television personality was killed by a stingray in 2006? Wednesday. Which novelist wrote Heart of Darkness, a book loosely adapted as the film Apocalypse Now? Finally, here's the quote of the day from V.S. Naipaul, who died on this day in 2018. My life is short. I can't listen to banality. That's the world in brief from The Economist. Available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. 
and subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.